But when before I actually decided to say okay to them, I was really worried and I kept thinking, oh no, what should I do? I mean, I know they are eager to learn and they really wanted it so badly to start so badly. So I, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should just go ahead. So when I was in the class, I literally forgot about everything. Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Floors Collective. Hi guys, today we've got Jasmine Singh of Merry Maid on with us. And Hello. Uh, Hi. Hi. Yes, it's not her first rodeo with us. Yeah. Um, you guys would have heard us chat with her actually back in episode 15, where we actually learned a little bit about Jasmine. Yep. And it was just uh, last Jasmine, year. Can you believe yeah, that? that was last year. I feel like yeah, already, so much has I happened. I know. So much. And Jasmine, as you know, was raised in Singapore, but she's now in South Korea and has mm-hmm. a paper flower business there where she sells paper flowers and runs workshops and tutorials and online courses. And so we thought it would be perfect to have Jasmine back on with us during this time because she just recently started to offer in-person workshops again, which over on this side of the ocean, we haven't had any opportunity to even think about that. I mean, Quinn and I planning one and then we had to cancel it. And so we thought it'd be really interesting hearing from Paper Forest, who is now able to, or has decided to offer in-person workshop and talk a little bit about where she's coming from in that, why she decided to offer it and just get some perspective in terms of how you might go about conducting a in-person workshop during COVID-19. So Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) Hello again. Hello. I'm back. (laughs) We missed you so much. I know. I mean, it's so nice to see you. I mean, after, obviously we're both following you on Instagram, but after reading (laughs) and following your posts and stories, we realized Uh that you were offering in-person workshops and both Quinn and I were like, wow, like yeah, that's must awesome. Be so nice. That's awesome. <laughs> we would love to do that. What kind of pushed you to restart offering in-person workshops? I mean, after several months of that not ever being an option. In general, for South Korea, this pandemic started way earlier than you guys. So we actually started right probably mid to end of February. Mm. So I had to cancel or postpone all mm-hmm. of my classes. Because at that time, it was pretty serious and everyone was really in panic and there is nothing much that anybody can do. And we do not know how bad it is going to be. But Mm -hmm. we saw the numbers rising really, really fast. And if you were following the numbers, Korea was the top in the list at that time. (laughs) <laughs> and really, it was like mm-hmm. within days and mm-hmm. just shoot up right so to the top. Yes. So everyone were told to stay home, try not to go out and start working from home. So I had no choice but to stop all my classes. Well, mm-hmm. I was actually in Singapore mm-hmm. before I came back to Korea when the <laughs> pandemic started. So I was, when I was in Singapore, I was like kind of worried. So I stayed in Singapore, which I thought was safer at that mm-hmm. time. But Singapore started rising as well. So I thought, okay, probably I should go back to Korea. Otherwise, I I wouldn't be able to go back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I came back and the numbers went up even higher. So I, I, yeah. 
So I had to stop all my offline classes. Mm-hmm. And I told all my students that it is probably safer to stay home and we could do it online if you want to. But they wanted an in-person class, which I agreed to and I agreed to and I thought it's better to see um, to have the classes face to face as well mm-hmm. so we decided that okay we should postpone it to a later date but we have no idea when it's going to come so mm-hmm. I told them it's an open day mm-hmm. so if you want to refund you may feel free to do so I can I can refund you the, the fee you can come and join later but fortunately everyone said oh no it's okay you know I'm sure we can get over this soon mm-hmm. and we'll be able to start the class again. Yeah, so everyone was kind of positive in a way because mm-hmm. it shows how much they want to learn. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. Yeah. What a great teacher you are too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, mean, I try my best to be good. <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> well, because I think it's my responsibility to keep them safe as well. Because mm-hmm. I just came back from Singapore. I do not know what I get from yeah. Traveling so far away, you know. So I had to do self-quarantine for two mm-hmm. weeks in Korea. And then, but fortunately, there wasn't any like uh, lockdown or anything. We were mm-hmm. still able to step out of the house, but I mm-hmm. chose not to. Mm-hmm. So I, I really stayed home like for the whole of one month. <laughs> I just stepped out of the house. I'm that good. <laughs> no, that's a very strong will. <laughs> Yeah. Grocery. Did you have grocery delivered to your house? Yeah, we, we can do so. It's free. The delivery system here is really good and they do it 24 hours. Wow. So, yeah. And I guess we have lots of supplies as well. Fortunately, I hear that many of the countries are running out of like toiletries, food, Mass. supplies. Uh, yeah, masks as well. But we have lots of them here, which I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. I felt relieved. But my family back in Singapore, they were running out of all those supplies as well. Yeah. And I couldn't send it back to them. It prohibited. I mean, you didn't have a formal lockdown. So there was no government mm-hmm. initiative that said, okay, you know, lockdown, lockdown is in, you know, yeah. if you go out of the house, you're going to be fine. What about gatherings? Like, were there any rules with respect to how many people could gather together? Or was it a recommendation kind of thing? Uh, there was no, like, strict measurements mm-hmm. at that right. point of time. But they announced that we shouldn't be in crowded spaces, crowded areas, and we should just stay home. And companies were told to start practicing working from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so there was no like particular numbers or anything, but you just need to keep it like small. <laughs> I know things were very different back at home in Singapore where you have to, they were in lockdown for, I think, a month. <laughs> they are in phase two right now, so they couldn't go out of the house. So my, my family were like, oh, I could understand how you felt for that month now. (laughs) Yeah, but thankfully, everything in Korea is in good control. The medical system here is pretty efficient as well. So we had like lots of medical help and assistance. Yeah, so for the reason or how I decided to start my classes, Mm -hmm. it's actually not up to me. (laughs) I was really like skeptical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I, because I felt that I have, I had the most responsibility. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. So um, it was actually my students who were pushing me to start the classes. Uh, we were looking at drastic change in the numbers as well. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. the infected cases were down to like less than 20 at that point of time. So that's when I thought, okay, let's do this. So, um, but before that, I, I gave them some like house rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I make sure that I wanted them to sanitize their hands before they come into the, the room, the classroom, place where I hold my workshop. So before they actually come in, I sanitize the, the entire space, the chairs, the furnitures, the doorknob, all mm-hmm. my tools. Yeah. That's for me is really important because I need to keep the space clean for myself and them. Mm-hmm. So before they come in, they have to sanitize their hands first. And of course, I check if they were sick or have they like been to any hospitals. If they do, then I wouldn't um, recommend them to come for the class because mm-hmm. it's also for the other students as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And of course, masks. We have lots of masks here. <laughs> so um, I, I make sure that they put on the mask like yeah. uh, the whole time. Yeah. And in Korea, everyone is advised to put on a mask mm-hmm. at all times when you're yeah. out. It is very common to see everyone having masks. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's uncommon and to see someone not wearing masks and yeah. actually they will be sad at right, be honest. Right. Yeah, it's kind of different from wherever you are right now. Mm-hmm. And I know it's difficult. And I'm really sorry that I went ahead of you guys first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I because we started first, you see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure things will get better in time to come. Just stay calm and follow what. Maybe if you can try to stay home, you just stay home. Yeah. Like just like I did, I stayed for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, basically that. That's how I started. I resumed my classes. Right. For your workshop, did you find a location nearby or how did, how did you find your space to hold these workshops? I found a space in the middle of Seoul where there is a design mm-hmm. uh, university at that area. For the entire area, that's full of workshop spaces or art academies, classes in that area. So I thought that it might be good for me, myself, to be there as well. And it's a convenient location. That location was permitted, I would say permitted you to restart your in-person workshops? Uh, yes, pretty much most of the places were opened at that mm-hmm, time. Right. Yeah, so we could use the space, but I know that they didn't allow a big crowd. So we were restricted to a smaller group of uh, people. So mm-hmm. for my classes as well, I don't have more than three participants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think keeping it small will be safe like, for, everybody. for everyone. Yes, right. that's right. Do you require them to sit like further apart? Do you set up chairs a certain way so that they're kind of primed to sit apart? <laughs> oh yes, definitely. They have to. <laughs> well, um, not just for me. Yeah. Sometimes when the students come in, they will move slightly yes, away from so each other. Yeah, yeah. You can see their body moving. too close. Yeah, you can see them slightly moving away from each other. <laughs> That's really good that they're watching out for each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little sensitive here in South Korea. Everyone watch out for each other and they make sure that they are safe themselves, you see. Right. So during classes, when I set up the the room, I will put their materials and tools like at least 1.2 meters apart. Mm -hmm. I understand that it's a different story at the U.S.? Yes, or, yeah. Right? The U.S., they're recommending six feet apart. And so, oh. and we're only at, I believe, right now in the state of Washington, well, in King County. And it's so interesting, the state of Washington, every county is in different phases. And so we are at 25% capacity for inside the restaurants. But if you have outdoor mm. seating, you can have it outside, but you have to have all the tables, space 
six feet or more mm-hmm. apart and everything is sanitized. And then what they're, a lot of the restaurants been doing, interesting enough, is what they'll do is they'll have a card on the table to tell you if this table has been sanitized or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, let mm-hmm. you know if you can sit at that table. And yeah. turnover, it's been really interesting to see how people are coping with this and trying to make it work. And I am a little bit skeptical for mm-hmm. restaurants to open right now just because we're still, mm-hmm. we just opened up to phase two this weekend. Oh, and it's Father's Day weekend too. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure there were a lot, tons of gatherings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we're at, uh, we have our rule is six, well, sorry, it's two meters apart. Uh, that's recommended. Um, yes. Spacing and yeah, they say like practically like the further apart you are, the better. And they say like so they they gave us kind of vague instructions in terms of how to interact once we were allowed to start having ten people in a bubble in a social bubble. And so the rule was yes, you're allowed to have ten, but then you know they would tell us oh, but here are some of the rules you need to follow within the ten. So really, the ten isn't like ten people sitting together in one space next to each other. It's like 10 people spaced out and they were saying like two meters apart and somebody was saying, one of the experts was saying, the health experts was saying, um, a good way to think of it is when you talk to that person, you should feel a little bit uncomfortable talking to them in terms of how loud you have to talk. So if you think about it, it's like, it literally is you sitting like with someone else, like across the room, like that's what they're recommending because the more you talk towards them, the more likely you're going to maybe spread something. But yeah, like, so they have rules. And then they have rules within rules of what they have to recommend. So like I'm thinking about like workshops, like like Jasmine, it would be literally three people in a normal size, let's say 12 by 12 size room because you literally cannot fit anyone else there and do the math with, yeah. you know, it being two meters or even a meter and a half. And we don't, and right now we don't have restaurants open yet in our greater Toronto oh. area because that's the high density area. Mm-hmm. So not until I think Wednesday when they're going to start letting them roll out with, I think, outdoor seating first, mm-hmm. which makes sense. because It's nice outside and it's more open air. But I mean, I think about myself and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I'm be that comfortable going out to restaurants anytime soon. So it kind of, that's tough. And so like thinking about workshops, I can't even imagine like, like the paper place, which is where I normally hope, you know do workshops where we normally have eight people and, you know, we're pretty tight on a table. I don't imagine that we'll be able to do those types of workshops anytime soon. You know, it's not just like the rules. It's also people's psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Like you said, you know, it's like yeah. you weren't sure if you were comfortable, but your students were totally comfortable. <laughs> yeah. It's like different people have different expectations. But mm-hmm. you know what? When before I actually decided to say okay to them, I was mm-hmm. really worried and I kept thinking, oh no, what should I do? I mean, I know they are eager to learn and they really wanted it so badly to start so badly. So I, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should just go ahead. So when I was in the class, I literally forgot about everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's so, just like uh, wonderful. It's like, oh, I'm so glad that I was able to start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah working, like talking to people face to face. I mean, we have our, we had our mask on. We just mm-hmm. look at our eyes. But yeah. I mean, that's enough, right? Yeah. Eye <laughs> yeah. contact, right? Yeah. It's so yeah, different yeah. having physical presence versus virtual. It's completely different. Yeah. Talk about therapeutic, like really therapeutic now, Mm -hmm. you know, before it was therapeutic, but now it really is more than just sharing a love. It's like having that physical contact, Mm -hmm. being able to engage with people and look at people's eyes. Like, I think that's, that's something you've been missing for the last three months, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. We've been in lockdown 17 weeks now in the US. We're similar. 
Yeah. So crazy. I wish you guys were here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> Me too. Honestly, like <sighs> to be like with other other people who who do what we do like yeah, yeah. it's definitely I mean, on my it, list to come visit you jasmine <laughs> please do <laughs> mm, yes you too don't worry don't worry <laughs> yes. asia i we will one day come over and we would love to host something in korea mm-hmm. oh, yeah so awesome please make it happen <laughs> we will we'll make it happen we will. don't worry we will <laughs> <laughs> okay let's be happier <laughs> I mean, everyone is like, I understand the situation is like bad and everyone is kind of down. But, you know, I, I feel that it's part of me that I always wanted to make people happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whenever I have like a video call with someone, I mean, it's really different from where I am, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I try to like show them up. I mean, even though there's not much that I can do. I mean, mm-hmm. just looking at my face. <laughs> <laughs> It's a game changer. (laughs) (laughs) So Jasmine, while you were in lockdown for like a whole month staying at home, what did you do to occupy your time and to hone your paper flower skills? I was home for the whole month, but I didn't resume my classes like after two months. So basically I was home for two months. (laughs) Yeah. So I was kind of, it's a blessing in disguise (laughs) because I got to spend time to do what I had procrastinated <laughs> yes. so yeah there were so many things on the list that mm-hmm. I kept pushing it away I started Mary Maid like a year ago and luckily fortunately it had been picking up pretty good and I had like students enrolling in my, my class because of that I did not have much time to do what I really wanted to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so I've always wanted to try on new flowers try on the materials the new materials that I have mm-hmm. I have like I bought tons of materials and tools but I've never <laughs> had a chance time to <laughs> yeah I've never I've never explored into new flowers for a long Mm. time so during that lockdown for myself i exposed myself into all these things that i wanted to do Mm -hmm. and also i've also prepared a guidebook for my students Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so that is some sort of achievement for myself (laughs) (laughs) because i really wanted to do something different for the courses in korea it's a little different because most of them are looking into full master course instead of a one-day hobby class you know what i mean Mm -hmm. right for this type of courses it's like they will stay with me for either the whole day over the next few days or they come back weekly so it's a full curriculum so because of that i feel i i always wanted to prepare like a book for them you know to help them during the class and after the class so when they go back home they can flip it over again and revise think about what they did before and Mm -hmm. they can jot down any notes that they wanted in the Mm -hmm. book itself it's something that i always wanted to do and i finally got it done (laughs) and do you feel like that was a game changer that made you different from the other instructors that are teaching in your city yes definitely there are a few paper flower instructors in the city uh, or rather in the entire of korea so not too many but just a few of them mm-hmm. and what my students told me were that when they were trying to find someone to learn from they obviously compared right so they were surprised first of all i'm a foreigner 
<laughs> yeah. Secondly, I provide guidebooks and my curriculum is a little different from what they have as well. Because in Korea, it's pretty structured. Like they do things in a structured manner. But mm-hmm. for me, it's more like free form <laughs> kind of experience. Yeah, I do have my curriculum as well. But during class, I don't teach just one method. Mm-hmm. I try to share different types of ways to make a particular flower mm-hmm. or a particular part of the flower. They were happy. I mean, like for myself, I am happy that they are learning a lot. Yeah. And after the courses, some of them actually did try to take up some online courses as well. I mean, um, in Korea. So they were like coming back to me and say, it's really different, like the, the, the method mm-hmm. and of teaching, teaching as well. Um, so, I mean... Obviously, they would compare. There's good and there's uh, some bad. (laughs) I hope not too much. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, yeah, but it's good for me because I learn from my students what are the not so good part of me. So, I I try to improve on that. And I always ask feedback from my students as well. How do you do the feedback? Do you do it by surveys? Do you ask them directly? Or what's the best way to get a response from your student to make you improve? On your te- During the classes, while they are making the flowers, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I try to ask them in the class, face to face, because I wanted to see their reaction, <laughs> mm-hmm. like what they learned and how am I different from someone else. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. after the class I will ask them I will send them a text and it's not like a structured survey it's, it's more like a very impromptu reply so mm-hmm. I'll just ask them a few questions like how do you feel about the class and my teaching methods and the skills that you've learned or and I also do ask them about the room like okay especially for this time of the pandemic I will ask them if you felt comfortable in the space and mm-hmm. did you feel a little worried that someone else a stranger is sitting next to you right is there anything else that I can do to improve I would ask them all this so hearing from them would be the best answers for me I guess the good thing is you can get direct answers quite quickly mm-hmm. and hopefully honest ones too because mm-hmm. they are doc- literally talking directly with you, texting. Mm-hmm. It's very informal, like you said, very yeah. relaxed setting. It's just, you know, literally, practically like a friend talking to you, mm-hmm. to you about how to improve or what they liked or what they don't. I'd say that's very thoughtful of you, actually, to reach out to your, to your students like that one by one. Because right now the classes are smaller. The group, there's maximum three of them, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes us even closer in a way. Because yeah. yeah. like, it's just a few of us and we yeah. can talk about anything. Yeah. Right? And, and we will be stuck in the room probably for the whole day mm-hmm. <laughs> other than lunch, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much to talk about. And I'm thankful that so far, I, I hope that they were honest with me. <laughs> 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 yeah. And yeah, I think it's good to get feedback from them in so you can actually improve. Yeah, yeah right? definitely. Mm-hmm. I love that your workshops is all day. So do you like yeah. check in, in early in the morning and then you break for lunch and then you work mm-hmm. through the whole day? How many flowers is that? I do have a structured curriculum and once they finish the whole course, they will actually be able to get certificate. So this certificate course actually consists of 10 flowers and different types of foliages. So within this couple of days, 
they will learn all these flowers with me. Oh, that's so, wonderful. Uh, yeah, so I actually touch on the fundamentals of paper flowers, the types of materials, the tools and whatnot that they need for the class and then I'll touch on the basic uh, technique first. So from the very beginning, it's just really basic stuff and then slowly going into more technical and more difficult types of flowers. So, I mean, it's a good progress for them as well and it's easier for me to teach in a way because you can see them, not just the flower, but them as my students, like mm-hmm. blossom. <laughs> yes, yeah, really. Yeah, so... Initially, when they first come, they were like, wow, I'm so excited. I want to join the class. But I started with like the boring stuff, right? The fundamentals. So you can see them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. From being (laughs) very excited to a little down and oh, okay. But but when they start touching on how to make the flowers, their expressions change again. I bet. Do you find your students are of a certain, have a certain experience level? Uh, yes, of course. Those who come for my regular classes, I, I call them, are pretty much those who wants to teach. So for this part- particular course, after you complete the whole course, you need to take a test. Yes. So a written test. So during the class, I don't like touch them. <laughs> I don't teach them 100%. So for I have like level one and level two. So mm-hmm. during level one, mm, I guide them like almost 100%. But for level two, I will try not to touch them. I will like look at them and observe. More hands off. Yes. So I make them do it themselves. And if I see something like a little weird, <laughs> like I will advise them, probably you can try this way or that way. Yeah. But during the whole of all this hands-on, it's more like a hands-on test, right? But mm-hmm. after the whole thing, after they completed all the flowers and all the foliages, I make them do a written test because I need to know if they truly 100% understood what I said. <laughs> Like, for example, the type of papers available in the market, whether you can, what type of techniques you have learned and stuff. Because Mm -hmm. I, I myself, I'm a foreigner, right? But I teach my classes in Korean to the Korean. Mm -hmm. Korean is not my first language. So I am also very scared that they may not understand me. (laughs) (laughs) So I, during my class, I keep asking them, do you understand me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make sure that they do, you know, because sometimes I, I see these question marks on your on their faces. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I will be like, uh, do you understand? <laughs> I would say 99% do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So the test is actually for me to to make sure to, to, to see if they understand me during what mm-hmm. during the class right thing. the workshop in korea versus in western world mm-hmm. completely different, different western yes. world's definitely a lot shorter you, they only teach one type of flower they don't do any written tests i feel like it's more like a hobby yeah quote unquote you know uh, how yeah. like yeah in like korea in a lot of the asian countries it is like a master class is a master class like at the end of it you should have acquired certain skills and like yeah. Be tested, obviously, because <laughs> standardized testing everywhere. Yes. Um, and then like get a, yeah, some sort of recognition. Uh-huh. Um, actually, Jasmine, you were talking about a certificate of completion. Yes. How did, <laughs> was that something that you felt was required because you were in Korea? Like, was is uh, that something common? Honestly, <laughs> in the beginning, I thought it was kind of useless. <laughs> because, 
I mean, I mean, it's just a piece of paper, right? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And it, I thought at that time, I thought like it's not recognized by anybody. Mm-hmm. But then I went into my research and I found out that all these uh, certificates that were issued by the instructors, they were actually registered certificates. Mm-hmm. So I do have an association in Korea and it's called International Crafts Design Association. And it is actually a pri- registered association, a private association mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. approved by the Korean government. I actually prepared all the documents that was that were needed mm-hmm. and I have to submit it to the government and it took like a good six months to wow. process yeah and got approval mm-hmm. thankfully it's a long time six yeah. months yes it, it wasn't easy like um, yeah. they had I had to submit things like the test questions <laughs> Yes. So basically, I had to submit things like my curriculum, Mm -hmm. what I teach, what do the students get during the class, what will they learn, what do they benefit from the class, and after the class, what can they do with your course, Mm -hmm. and of course, the test questions as well. So basically, um, this purpose of this establishment, I would call, is to promote the development of craftworks in Korea. That is why they have this uh, type of association Mm -hmm. in Korea. So basically for me, once I establish my association, I'm able to issue registered certifications for my students. So during the class, the student has to go through all the flowers and they have to complete all the flowers and foliages that I have in my curriculum Mm -hmm. that I submitted to the government and they have to take the test and they have to pass the test otherwise they wouldn't be able to to get the certificate yeah so I I have to make sure that they are capable of teaching my full curriculum that I've Mm -hmm. taught them Mm -hmm. so this certificate is actually an acknowledgement for them so once they get the certificate they are able to teach what I've taught them and yeah basically if you were to think about it it's, it's just like someone buying your design yeah yeah that's more mm-hmm. like yeah. uh-huh. how interesting mm-hmm. yeah but we do it in a more formal way here yeah. right. in korea mm-hmm. uh-huh. so interesting yeah, yeah it's interesting but um, i mean in the beginning i didn't know and i, I thought like oh why would i want to do that yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know and everyone is anybody who is capable of teaching yeah is able to apply for this you see right. but of course not everyone will be will be approved to get it right i mean right. i am really lucky Well, I mean, I suppose there is a sense of legitimacy there, right? Yeah. Yes. To have a overseeing regulatory body in a way, regulatory, quote unquote, where you submit yourself and say, you know, regulate my my courses or, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to get that legitimacy where and then people who actually are looking around for courses who care about having certification, they would likely choose your course over someone else who doesn't have that kind of legitimacy mm-hmm. so in a way i guess it's i mean it could it actually could be a good thing i was just once i actually learned about your the korean government's like initiative i was like i wonder if they have it here and obviously not but <laughs> i thought it was a cool i thought it was cool because like quinn said it's easy here to do one flower courses because it's very much seen as craft very much seen as a hobby whereas in asia a lot of times with these master classes the expectation is different. It's yes, it's fun, but they're really literally there to learn from you and to then do something big with it, like something meaningful, something more than just, oh, it's a night out, fun night out with my mother or my girlfriend. So I think it's kind of interesting because if you think about it in the States now with the new masterclasses, trademarked masterclass, um, <laughs> that's what it's turning. That's what they're doing. They're essentially like adapting to that kind of idea of something that is like a 10 week or um, something that is very comprehensive that once you complete this masterclass, you're like a teacher. 
kind of thing, right? I, I think it's really cool. I mean, couldn't I mean Quinn? We can think about something like that because you know. And hello, like that is a trend, right? Yeah. So um, very interesting though, how in a way it is translatable here and how like a lot of ideas that are coming out of Korea and other yeah. Asian countries are easily adaptable here, like COVID, obviously, you know, in terms of how to ease back into the off line learning and then also other ways of constructing a program or a, or extensive workshop or you know those kind of things that's really interesting Jasmine is the industry in Korea for paper florists is it looked down like a hobby like in the United States or is it more elevated because of the certificate oh is it looked down upon on in the United States it's uh, not considered like a hobby yeah uh, I'll just share something interesting that I learned. Well, in, in Korea, there are a number of housewives. These housewives, <laughs> yeah, really. A number. No, there are a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of zeros there. <laughs> okay, for them, unlike Singapore, you know, we would share the burden and go out and work and stuff. But here in Korea... A lot of them are a lot of them are stay home mom. So they they literally just take care of their kids since they were young, they were baby. So but all these kids they grow up, right? So mm-hmm. after they grow up, they themselves they have no skills. They haven't been in the society, the working society for so mm-hmm. long. Obviously, they cannot get any job, right? Mm-hmm. So what they do is they open up small studios in their own cities or in their own neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? Where they stay. So all these small studios. They use it as a craft room. So they they use the studios to teach any crafts that they know. Interesting. So that's, yeah, that's how it got started. So in Korea, all these like, they are always seeking to learn new crafts so that mm. they can teach. So they yeah. can teach other moms as well. Right. Yeah, so their friends, they have lots of friends, right? So they send their kids to school and then they have nothing to do. <laughs> hey, come on, let's go learn something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah So they'll gather, yeah, so they will go gather at their studio and, and they'll learn something together. Yeah. So because of that, I, myself, I have a number of moms <laughs> coming from all over the country just to learn this craft. So I was great. so so, so surprised because some of them may take like four to five hours. I mean, it's not as big as as it is in, in the US. Mm-hmm. But to me, coming from a small, tiny country, Singapore, <laughs> four to five hours all the way just to come for my class, I, mm-hmm. I'm really like really thankful and surprised. Yeah. So I feel that there is not much exposure of this craft at the moment. And many people do not know paper flowers yet. So I... I feel that it is an increasing interest yeah, here in Korea, but it is not something that they look down upon because I have inquiries and I have students who are florists mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who come to me and say that, you know, these are so beautiful, they can actually replace the real flowers. Yeah. And the real flowers, they are seasonal mm-hmm. and they, because a lot of them were imported as well, mm-hmm. so they are expensive. Yeah. So all these florists, they come here, they want to learn how to make it and they want to sell them with yeah. their fresh flowers. Yeah. I love that. Yay! Yeah, I love <laughs> I it too. Seriously. Yeah. So I think that it is really good chance, opportunity for me yeah. to share what these flowers can do. Not mm-hmm. just um, for weddings, but for like events, decorations, or table settings, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So I share all this with my florist students. 
Mm-hmm. So I hope they will pick up the skills fast enough because I mm-hmm. I haven't teached in a long time, right? I only yeah. just started teaching officially in Korea like end of last year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident that this mm-hmm. will pick up in Korea and in Asia as well. So interesting. So you can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Find, find all those moms. <laughs> yes, there are pockets of places where a lot of moms or wealthier women who have a lot of money to spend on parties or on yeah. weddings or on, just like you said, like on opening up a shop to offer workshops you know, yeah, studio space. But yeah, no, that's really, that's really interesting where your students are coming from in terms mm-hmm. of the market. It is, it's not necessarily what I would have expected, but that says, but that says a lot about where we could also find our students too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Yeah, but for me, I guess I still need some time to study my my students. Like yeah. I, I feel that there is a large group that are interested in this course. Oh, like for example, my online class, mm-hmm. my online course. I mean, there's been so many of them learning it and they have been like posting pictures on the community uh, page. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed by them because like just looking at the screen and following step by step, they could, they could do it mm-hmm. by themselves, you see. Yeah. I, I'm impressed. Yeah, really. I feel mm-hmm. that there is a big here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, hopefully Quinn and I will one day very soon <laughs> head over to Korea and mm-hmm. bring a whole bunch of people over as well. Yes. And yes. meet your students uh-huh. and you can show us around and of course uh, we can learn some things from you guys about you know how to run a workshop and you know just share ideas as well. Because yeah, I mean we only know one way of doing something over here of you know based on what we've seen, what other people do. But I mean there's so like everything you've said, there is another there can be other ways of offering services. Yeah. offering workshop and you know what i want i really want to like thank you ladies because i actually implemented some of what i learned from your workshop the master class Yay! <laughs> and I, yeah i brought it here so they were impressed as well like they were like thinking oh i never thought that i would see this in korea you know and, right. and then they were like saying things like oh is it because you're a foreigner you do things differently <laughs> like taking like good things from like different cultures or exactly. uh, different experiences you've seen and kind of incorporate it into your own yep. and kind of yeah. present it that way and it's mm-hmm. you right it's like mm-hmm. i'm not saying i mean i wouldn't call you a foreigner but like you said yeah. you're not from korea you're not bound by certain cultural expectations mm-hmm. right and you can kind of incorporate other ideas exactly. and and they won't be totally shocked by it they won't be like well you know you're my neighbor like why are you doing this yeah <laughs> It's really interesting. I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And it's so freeing being a paper florist because our industry is so new and there is so many hobbyists, so many crafters coming into this new industry, taking their technique from what they learn and implementing it into paper flowers. Like there, if you look at paper flower technique, there is so many sewing technique in there that is <laughs> quite interesting and yeah. so beneficial. And there's like from art medium, from watercolors, from like the technique that you're doing with your orchids where you're using massing liquid. It's so incredible that we're Ingenious. able to pull I know, right? We can pull in from so many different like knowledge and yeah. make our industry even better. That's, I mean, yeah. that's one thing I love about being a paper florist is we look outside the box because we're not bound by these rules that's been yeah. enforced through decades of yeah. being yep. in the industry. Well, there that, are no traditions. Yeah, no tradition because yeah. we're making it right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We're making mm-hmm. it right now. We're, mm-hmm. we're actually literally changing it yeah. every day by implementing new techniques exactly. or using different experiences and yep. incorporating into 
our own. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it is pretty cool. And you know, I was telling you that all the moms, they learned different types of crafts, you know, yeah. and I learned so much from them as well. <laughs> I'm sure you guys were chatting away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I keep asking, how do we do that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because I can use those techniques that they use for other crafts into yeah. mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's just like the idea, like, even if it doesn't work directly, it's the idea that, oh, they did this with that. Is there something similar that I can do with, oh, yeah, you know, like, it mm-hmm. opens up your mind, really, really to does. everything. I think that's actually, yeah, it's more important to look, like, outside our industry than inside because inside we already kind of know what's going on outside like is where when the saying like outside of the box you bring it in and and it literally changes your industry day by day yeah so cool yeah well thank you so much jasmine it as always been a great pleasure talking to you catching up and finding out how you're growing in south korea thank you thank you the pleasure is mine and it's amazing good to see you both again oh my gosh it's great to see you (laughs) do you believe it it's been more than a year yeah, I class, and it mm-hmm. felt like a lifetime ago. And look where yeah, you are now. Like, I know. You know, so proud of you. Yeah, we you should are. catch me next year. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we will definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We might see you in person. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a yearly event. Yeah. Where we can travel again, hopefully. Yeah, and yeah. we shall see where where I will be. <laughs> yes. Yep. If you guys want to listen more and understand what Jasmine does in South Korea. Listen to our episode number 15 in Paper Talk. And we would love for you guys to give us a shout out and spread the news that we are interviewing people from all over the world. And one call that we want to make is if you guys are interested in submitting a blog post to thepaperflorist.org, reach out to us at info at thepaperflorist.org. We would love to start sharing different voices from all over the world. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you, Jasmine. Nice seeing you again. See you next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>